Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Back to The Baldface Truth with John Kanzano on 750 The Game. John Wilmer, Bay Area News Group superstar, my co-host on the Kanzano and Wilner podcast. If you're not already subscribed to the Kanzano and Wilner podcast, uh, we are doing a podcast that uh, focuses a lot on the Pac-12 conference, dives a little deeper into the conversations we've had over the years on this radio show. You can grab that on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get a podcast. Stream it wherever you can find it. Wilner, joining us now from the Bay Area. How are you, man? I'm good, thanks. How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I had Brett McMurphy on the show, I'm not going to lie, in hour one. And I, you know, I listen to him kind of gloom and doom. You know, the conferences, you know, uh, the Big Ten, Oregon, all the conversations. But I'm pumping the brakes on that. I want to know where you sit on Oregon to the Big Ten and the disintegration of the Pac-12, doomsday. You know, I, I think that those schools, Oregon, Washington, maybe the Bay Area schools, could very well end up in the Big Ten. But I just don't think that that's going to happen in the short term. I think that's m- multiple years away, if not many, many years away. Uh, some of it depends on Notre Dame. Some of it depends on, you know, whether the Big Ten's TV partners are going to be willing to shell out whatever money needs to be shelled out. So, you know, I, I think that the Pac-12 is going to end up my guess, the most likely scenario, is it's going to end up staying together uh, and signing some kind of short, shorter-term contract to give some flexibility to to some of the schools. Uh, I just don't know, like, where's Oregon and Washington going to go? Right, that's the thing. You got to have some place to go, and I don't think they're the door to the Big Ten is open right now. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think we're saying a lot of the same stuff, Wilner, and. For people who don't know, it's not like you and I are talking about this off air. You are talking to your sources. I'm talking to my sources. I think we talk to a lot of different people within the conference. I don't I don't find a ton of overlap. And what I keep coming back to is of course there's back channeling going on, but you know, that's due diligence. You of course you would you would, you know, explore alternate plans in the event of A, B, C happening. But I think in the short term, I agree with you, ESPN, I think, is going to come in as the primary partner for the Pac-12. And I think Oregon will be in the Pac-12 in the next couple of few years. I mean, they don't have a choice. Unless the Big Ten says, we'll take you now, or we're going to take you in six or 12 months, what choice do they have? Going to the Big 12 doesn't solve any of your problems, just creates more. Because you're not going to sign a long-term deal. If you're working, they're not signing a long-term deal with the Big 12 either. So... You stay in the Pac-12 uh, until the, the Big Ten calls. And, again, I don't. I, there are no indications to me that the Big Ten is going to come calling in the next year or two. I think that they are done expanding for now. I can't believe they would add teams you know, before USC and UCLA start playing and before Notre Dame has to renegotiate its contract, right, because a lot of this starts with Notre Dame 
and probably in the summer of 2024, they're going to have to decide, are they going to stand independent for their next contract, or are they going to join a conference? So to me, everything is kind of on pause until if and when Notre Dame makes a decision. John Wilner with us, Bay Area News Group. Give me an idea. You know, this, this conference season, a week from Saturday, we'll get Utah at Florida. We'll get Oregon at Georgia. How ready is the Pac-12 this season to factor nationally? Better than it was last season, and I think a couple reasons. One is I think the quarterback play, generally speaking, is going to be better. But I also think, you know, last September, the whole Pac-12 was coming off that COVID stuff where there were fewer games, fewer practices, fewer off-season workouts than the other conferences because the Pac-12 took a more conservative approach. So, every, you know, last September they weren't as ready to play as the opponents. And I think now the, the field has evened out because it's been a normal past 12 months for the Pac-12. And so they should be better equipped to start fast and to hold their own in a lot of these games. Whereas last year you could just tell, man, these teams are not ready to play. And I think a lot of that was because they, they hadn't played. What kind of indicators are you looking for that this will be a better non-conference season for the Pac-12? I mean, a lot of it is how does Oregon do against Georgia and how does um, Utah do against Florida. But to me, it's also how are they going to do against the Mountain West schools, right? How are they going to do against the FCS? They can't have bad losses, right? You need to have a really good win or two, but you also can't have bad losses at the other end that, that offsets everything. And then you got to do well. Oregon State against Fresno and Boise. That kind of game. Arizona against San Diego State, right? I mean, Oregon's got BYU. Those games against the Mountain West schools can't be losing more than you're winning. And last year was losing. The Pac-12 was losing more than a one, and that offset Oregon's victory at Ohio State. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm kind of looking to week three. Oregon-BYU is a big one because I'm not sure big. we're going don't, to – I don't know if we're going to get in week one – Hey, how, how is the Pac-12's trajectory? Like, if Utah wins at Florida, it could be an outlier. What other games, in your mind, are key for the Pac-12 to have a good non-conference? Uh, well, I mean, I think Oregon-BYU is a big one. Uh, there's no, uh, totally agree there. USC-Fresno. Um, you know, Arizona State, Oklahoma State. Sun Devil's going to go hold their own. Arizona-San Diego State, I think, is a big one. Um, I mean, Oregon State's actually got two. You know, you can't lose both at Boise and Fresno. So there's a there's a bunch of them trickled in there. You know, Cal, Notre Dame is week three. I don't know. That one is, you know, who's going to give Cal much of a chance there? It probably would help if, if help the Pac-12 if Colorado beat TCU in the opener and then beat Air Force. Right? I mean, last year, Colorado was losing all those games early, uh, shut out by Minnesota. So, I mean, it's hard to pick one, um, but certainly, you know, Oregon, BYU, and USC, Fresno State would be. Well, how about Washington, Michigan State at Washington? Yeah, I mean, that's big, but, but also Washington's not even ranked, right? So I kind of look at it like you've got to have your – the teams that have expectations – Need to, need to win the big games 
I think if Washington loses, that's kind of like Cal losing a game, even though it's in Seattle. It's like, well, are they really expected to win that game? Are they really expected to have a good season? You gotta. The teams that are supposed to be good need to be good. John Wilner with us, Bay Area News Group. Michael Penix Jr. is going to be the starter at Washington. Dan Lanning refusing to this point to name a starter. Uh, as you look at the quarterbacks in the Pac-12, you know who this season is capable of putting a team on their back, and why won't Lanning name a starter? Well, I mean, I think he wants to push Bo Nix as long as he can, create a sense of urgency, and maybe you know keep Ty Thompson from entering the transfer portal twelve minutes after Bo Nix gets named the starter. I mean, you know how it works these days with the backup quarterbacks leaving school. Um, who could carry a team? I mean, I guess Caleb Williams can. Um, I think Tanner McKee at Stanford is probably the best pure passer in the conference. Uh, Cam Rising, obviously, Utah is really good. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, UCLA. To me, those are the, the top tier, but we don't know because there's so many transfers. Why is it seven teams are going to have transfers uh, starting quarterback? So there's a lot of unknowns, and you know a lot of those guys either coming off shaky years or coming off injuries. But that is, to me, that's a key. Quarterback play was not good last year, not good at all. And I think that was affected. You know, the COVID thing probably had an impact on timing in the passing game. But I think uh, those quarterbacks got to play well, and they got to play well early for the Pac-12. Wilner, help me out here. Am I being a negative, Nancy, by saying? Caleb Williams, I'm not ready to buy that as he is the star in this league and is going to carry USC. And I could, I, I, I foresee some hiccups for Caleb Williams and USC. Am I just being negative here? No, I think that's fair because he didn't play the entire season the last year for Oklahoma. And, you know, you do have to wonder about SC's offensive line play and ability to run the ball consistently. So I, I could see that, you know, I, I could see it ended up being both ways, right? He's a little, he's a, doesn't quite play to expectations, uh, struggles a little bit, but you could also map out a scenario pretty easily in which, you know, he's a star and he makes it to New York City for the Heisman ceremony, and SC has a really good season. But I, I mean, I don't think your view is is unfounded at all. Wilner, I am looking at the coaches in this conference. Difference maker coaches. You just saw Nick Saban get a big contract extension, ninety plus million dollars. He's gonna, you know, have a couple hundred million dollars. People are saying he's underpaid for what he does. Is there a coach in this conference? Because I think, you know, we've seen some coaches leave. Is there a coach in this conference who's a difference maker in your mind, or where does that line of coaches who are difference makers begin and end for you? Oh man, great question. I mean, it, you can argue that Lincoln Riley is a difference maker because of what he has done for USC in the last, what is it, nine months? I mean, you think about where SC was like at the end of last season at, with no coach and a 4-8 and eight record and who knows what was going to happen to that program. And now look at where they are getting in, entering the season with a Heisman candidate, ranked, rebuilt their, their, uh, their depth chart through the transfer portal, more excitement and buzz about SC than there's been in a long time. And, and haven't played a game. That's all because of Lincoln Riley. So he has certainly made a difference there to this point. But we'll see. I mean, other than Kyle Whittingham, I don't know. I think that's 
we're going to find out a lot this year because you got some coaches who are, you know, entering the midpoints of their careers and they probably need to win. And then you got a lot of new guys. There's four new coaches. So it, it'll be real interesting. But certainly Riley's – what he has done for USC the last eight, eight months has, has been a big difference. I, I keep thinking about Dan Lanning, first-time, first-year head coach. Uh, I I expect that there, there are going to be some speed bumps, that he may lose a game or two that he should win. We saw it with Mario Cristobal. We saw it with Chip Kelly early on there there were some game decisions that were made where you went gosh you know would a more experienced coach have done that what do you make of first time first year head coaches in a power five conference setting it's hard uh you know off the top of my head it's hard to you know pinpoint one or or two who have really excelled with the exception of the guys that were promoted from within right Chip Kelly, obviously, did great his first year at Oregon once he was replaced Bilotti. David Shaw taking over for Harbaugh. Whittingham, even though they weren't in the Pac- Pac-12, Whittingham taking over for Urban Meyer. But, you know, those are examples of guys, or Mark Helfrich did well, right? Those are examples of guys that are in the program and getting promoted. You know, when you're talking about a first-time head coach at a new place, I don't know that there's very many examples of guys winning big early. Uh, and then you couple that with the fact that, you know, his, his coordinators are pretty clean, right? I mean, they're young. Uh, they've got some play-calling experience, but, you know, they're, they're not like grizzled veterans. So it will be interesting to see how the Oregon staff performs early, but also how do they adjust once you, once you get into October and you're playing conference games and the opponents know you and you've got a, they've got a ton of film on on you and they know your tendencies what are your counter moves when you get to october and i'll be real interested to see how oregon adjusts to the adjustments wilner george kiafkoff the pac-12 commissioner's got a tough job he's going to watch hbo real sports tonight he's going to hear kevin warren talk to bryant gumbel talk about expanding to 20 teams not shooting that down leaving that door open he's got the big 12 circling waiting for the Four Corners universities if they should choose to run for the hills. Uh, he's got Oregon back-channeling and probably some others back-channeling. Uh, how tough is his job right now, and what does he need to do here between now and about the second week of September? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like meatball surgery. He's trying to get this thing, uh, you know, solidified, right, and stable. Uh I don't know how long it's going to take. It could be what, a couple more weeks, the other side of Labor Day, but it could also take into October, right? If if they end up going to the open market and getting bids from a bunch of folks and considering expansion, it could take a while. But he has got to be creative. I think he's got to be aggressive and creative, and he's got to he has to be thinking of ideas to generate revenue that nobody else has thought of, right, that you haven't thought of, that I haven't thought of, that, that fans aren't talking about. That when we hear about it, it goes, oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know what those things could be, but he's, he's got to be creative and he's got to be aggressive out there trying to cobble together a really good deal. It's going to satisfy the schools who want to go to the Big Ten eventually and the schools that want some kind of stability uh, in, the, in this conference, all right? And that's a tough needle to thread. John Wilner with us. 
Bay Area News Group. Uh, you can catch him on the Kanzano and Willner podcast as well. What kind of feedback are you getting on the podcast, man? Uh, good, good feedback. Real good. Uh, my father, my 81-year-old father is asking me, when's the next podcast going to drop? So <laughs> I know that we're, we're doing okay if he's asking about that kind of stuff. I didn't even know he knew what that meant. I love that. Listen, uh, I'm excited about games starting. I'm eager to see this conference pulled together. I'm also well aware that you know a lot of people are listening to us or reading you or reading me because they want to know what's going to happen with the conference. So let's lay this out, if we can, in just a couple minutes. I, I, I feel like what we're going to have happen is we're going to see the Pac-12 partner with ESPN. I think that there could be some provisions in the contract that allow for early exits if the Big Ten and the rest of college football just tilts sideways again. And it, But I feel like in the next two, three, four years, this may settle down some into the Pac-12 continuing to fight for relevancy and explore expansion. And, you know, the Big Ten still eyeing over going, is there anything over there that we like? But I feel like we're going to see a little status quo. Are you with that or do you see something different? I think the most likely scenario is that the Pac-12 continues to exist, you know, for the rest of this decade. Um, I, I do think that there's a real good chance it expands, you know, and I don't know exactly who San Diego State maybe makes the most sense. It's going to be 11 teams, 12 teams, 14, 16. I just feel like my gut tells me that, the most valuable thing the Pac-12 has going for it is that it can play at 7.30 Pacific time when, you know, prime time for the West Coast. That's a valuable TV window. And the Pac-12 could do it on Friday and Saturday night for 13 weeks. It could say to ESPN or whoever, we've got 26 broadcast windows, prime time, there's no competition. But in order to do that, you need game, you need teams so you've got enough games so you can fill out those spots. So I, I kind of feel like because of the need for inventory, they're going to add a team, two teams, maybe even four teams. Uh, that, that's kind of my gut. I don't. There's no palpable reason for it. You know, I haven't heard for sure they're going to expand, but it, that plays into their strength. It getting more games plays into their strength of being able to fill those night windows, which is their most valuable property. John Wilner, Bay Area News Group. Follow him at Wilner Hotline on Twitter. Wilner, I appreciate you, my friend. Thanks very much, Wilner. There he is, John Wilner. Stephen, takeaways from that conversation. Quick takeaways. What did you learn there? Uh, what what maybe stuck out to you? Yeah, the quick takeaway for me is everything I read nationally, it seems as if they're saying the Pac-12 is over and it's doomsday. But what John Wilner said, at the end of the decade, the Pac-10 or Pac-10 Pac-12 will still be here. That it just—it's so weird to see the national news compared to what you and Wilner have been reporting. Is that yeah. you know the Pac-12 is doing so much to keep it together, you know, and I want to have faith that they do that because you know as a guy that's been around this area my whole life, I would love to see the Pac-12 stay it together. Uh, I'll explain why I think the national guys have a different narrative, and why I don't blame them for it. Next. Back to the Bald Face Truth with John Canzano. Peter Sampson is up next with the Pulse from 6 to 7 on 750 The Game.
Some of the national media members are preaching gloom and doom. And I don't think they're preaching it. I think they're just reporting gloom and doom. But you got to ask yourself, who are they listening to? Who are they talking to? I think some of them are probably talking to people who have motivation, who have an agenda. Uh, They are experienced, good reporters. Uh, I'm talking about guys like Brett McMurphy at the Action Network. I'm talking about Dennis Dodd with CBS Sports. These guys are great reporters, fantastic reporters, and they're friends of mine. I also think they're talking to people who have a dog in the fight, so to speak. And so when they talk to sources who are with the Big Ten Conference saying, yeah, we're exploring, we're going to get to 20, we're expanding, they're not seeing the picture from 20 or 30,000 feet. Likewise, look, I'm probably talking to people who are more centered or geared toward the Pac-12 Conference staying together. But I can tell you what I am hearing is very balanced. The athletic directors in the conference are not the people who are in charge of the universities jumping to another conference. They are simply in charge of running their athletic departments. But what they are telling me is in communications with their university presidents and chancellors, what they are hearing is we are committed to this, we are in this, we are together, we are galvanized. I had one AD tell me, if Oregon leaves, I think everybody's going to run for the hills. But I think that's true. That's true of the Pac-12 conference. I think that's true of the Big 12. If they lose a tentpole university one more time, I think that you would see a disintegration of that conference. So I do think Oregon is an important player in this. I think the fact that Phil Knight is out there banging the drum trying to get the Ducks into the Big Ten conference should, should not surprise anyone. I think he was doing that from minute one. The minute UCLA and USC left the conference, I think they knew that. But, you know, I reached out immediately when USC and UCLA left the conference, and I asked a source at UCLA, in your conversations with the Big Ten, did they talk about taking other teams? The source at UCLA told me, no, it doesn't pencil out. I keep hearing that over and over again from media consultants, from athletic directors, from university presidents. They're saying just the numbers don't work. Oregon would have to take a tremendous subsidy. They'd probably have to take less than they would get in the Pac-12 conference if they stayed. So I don't think in the short term they jump. And I think it explains why you're hearing gloom and doom on the outside and you're hearing Wilder and I talk about, hey, this conference is going to stay together. I think they stay together in the short term. The next five or ten years, I think you could see Oregon in the Pac-12. That's where I stand. Leave it here. We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Truth. Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.